You're listening to The Fashion Detour, presented by J-Tribe. We have a guest that I'm very excited about. Her name is Adi Heyman, and she is a influencer. Uh, she is a consultant for many brands, and she uh, right now you can find her on Instagram at Adi Heyman. And I'm very excited. How are you? How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for having me. No problem. So. We all want to know, what inspired your passion and your interest in fashion? Well, um, to backtrack a little bit, my education and my upbringing did not have anything to do with fashion, the fashion space, um, growing up in the industry. Um, I came from actually a very different, diverse background from that. Um, But when I got to New York at 17, it was very much kind of coming age in the era of Sex and the City and Patricia Fields, um, kind of reinventing everyday wares and incorporating a lot of um, modest pieces and midi skirts and daytime manolos and all of this incredible fashion innovation. Um, I converted to Judaism, so for me, um, modesty took a bit of time to kind of find myself within it because, you know, it's different to embrace a way of dress that's not how you, you know, were brought up and that sometimes you need to find yourself. You need to understand how to make it work for you in your lifestyle. Um, I'm more of a tomboy. I, I didn't wear dresses often and it's something day to day. I wanted to work into my life without feeling that I was constricted or that it wasn't a representation of me in terms of my lifestyle and you know, so um that kind of drew me into fashion. I was in New York, I was learning the trade of writing and um, you know, everybody was dressing so I I, I learned things and I ended up getting a job working for an editor in fashion and kind of got thrown into this world that was really editorial level. And, I, you know, I was basically teaching myself as I learned this job. But I loved it, and fashion was always a really great mix uh, right away. Um, it just felt very natural. Um, I very much am in tune with like the industry level of kind of the ebb and flow of trends. Um, I don't know. I, I I see things and I feel things, and it it tends to kind of evolve into trends and whatnot. So it was really just organic how I got the fashion. Um, but it's a great mix and. I'm not a big, like, shopper, or I don't so much, you know, I'm not into, like, having a huge wardrobe, um, but I love fashion. I love the emotion of fashion. I love, you know, writing about it, feeling, like I said, the ebb and flow of the emotion within it, uh, the trends, and how it can really affect society. It can impact positively, negatively. It can impact within community, and like I said, me coming from a modest standpoint back in 2009, 2000, you know, 2008, 2010 when I went on to launch kind of the first modest mainstream fashion lifestyle blog, um, fabology.com. 
Um, it was just my take on it. it. Was it was taking ownership of an industry that I I loved and I was doing well in, but also wanting to feel like I had a place and it was inclusive and I could stand by my own chosen beliefs, doctrines, yet still feel like I could do well at a level with an industry that was a representation of the work that I wanted and was willing to do. So that's kind of how I got into fashion. Um, and then with the launch of my blog, um, within a few years it was profiled by the New York Times and kind of took off. And Modesty Judy um, really became my niche, and I focused on that. Um, I took the blog from just the blog was actually anonymous in the beginning, and then I, you know, I took ownership on it with the press coming out, my name, and um, I used it then as a platform to really launch community um, support. At that point, there wasn't a lot of Jewish bloggers that were sticking to the Jewish point of view where pro-Shabbat, pro-Israel, pro-whatever, but just taking ownership of Judaism and not being a foot forward. So I found that my blog could really um, be a platform for that as I got more success and access. So I took on a crew of women, and we were this incredible collective, and everything from the culinary arts to accessories reporting to family to Navarre Torres. I mean, we were covering it all, and I was doing all the photography myself. I was doing all the writing and editing. Um, wow. And then my contributors would contribute, we'd pitch ideas, and then I would edit that and upload it. And I was literally running by myself. And it, you know, it worked. And we went from, when I started, a small community of Jewish women that had incredible creativity and incredible talent, but not so much, I guess, the access or the experience that I had um, had just within the industry because I had worked and I loved it and I, you know, I found my Judaism was really respected. So anyways, that, um, that was it. And I, I think when in your own life you're really lit up and inspired by something, that's when collaboration and camaraderie can become possible. And with, within our community I saw that happen. And it's, it was just this incredible ride. And you know, I later went on to shut down my blog, but it, um, it started in 2010, 10 years ago crazy. Um, I'm sorry. That was, was it. That I, was my start in fashion. I missed what you said at the end about your your blog. That what did you say at the end there? Oh, I mean, I subsequent in 2015, I shut down my blog. Okay. And I don't know if that's what that I said. Decision? You know, was that a hard decision? Um, well, it felt like the right decision. Um, I didn't, you know, I felt like my, I'm, I love working. I am a creative. I just, I enjoy my craft. I enjoy in a lot of different capacities, um, really just accomplishing and working. It's, it's like, I love it. I, I, I'm blessed to work in industry I love, but I also enjoy the work of it. And um, my big kind of emphasis and inspiration, motivation to, to work so hard when I have a son and I have a husband and I, you know, I really try and stay aligned with all of this and do it all. But I always say if I'm not filling a void and I'm not doing something that I believe needs to be done and if I'm not doing it, won't be done. If, if, the, if I don't need to be doing it, then I won't be doing it. But if there's a void, if there's white space, then I'm more than happy to jump in and work and build it out and, you know, connect the dots 
to the benefit of my community, industry, whatever it may be that I believe in. So I felt like at that point my blog had accomplished everything and more than I guess I had even anticipated along the line. So when I shut it down, I thought that it was time. You know, I ended up going into another job in writing, um, not in fashion for a while, and I, I freelanced. Um, and it, it was fulfilling for me because I became really saturated in the lifestyle fashion space. And, you know, when I started was before everyone was on Instagram, before all of that. And with the call of that, it, just, it became a different animal. And I personally, um, I'm not a big, like... I don't know. I, I personally am just not so invested in social media. It's it's incredible tool. It's it's inspiring. There and access and community and I just engagement. I love it. But I just don't feel a need to to take my blog to you know the shoppables and all this and Instagram. I just I never felt a need for that. That wasn't why I did it and. Um, I wanted to return to really just writing and doing things in different capacities that fulfilled me. Um, and you know, my son, I, I throughout my blog span that time, I had a little boy, and he was getting older, and I wanted to shift and spend time with him before he started school. And it was just, you know, kind of that transient time. I still attended fashion weeks, and I still worked with Jewish companies, modest designers, and um, I launched Faith and Fashion, a charity that brings support to the Jewish life at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. And we, we're kind of bringing awareness and support for Jewish students within our own community so that they can have that support to go on to industry-level um, positions after graduating from design schools or art schools, but have that supportive community where they have, you know, we just had our graduation lunch and Alita Hari came and spoke. And we have mentors wow. from Barney's and from Vogue. And there's a girl that actually stood up at the graduation lunch um, that we hosted for, for all the Jewish graduates and their parents. And she said that she was leaving FIT with a job in fashion within the industry. And it was really full circle from one of the first events before I had hosted for Faith and Fashion. And she said that's how she had made the connection to now have a job. And it was incredible to hear that because it's something I felt had to be done, you know, if we're, if we're out there, if me as a Jewish blogger, a modest dresser, a, a Jewish woman is in the industry waving that flag and saying, this is who I am, but I want to work in the industry, I want to, I want to feel included, and, which I always did, but I think we have to offer students support within community, you know, to offer them connections and friends up and it always helps, and I when I got to the FIT campus and I saw what was going on with the Jewish life there, it was it was just sad, and I just thought this is what we need. We need to build up within our own community that support, and you know within Israel as well to shop the Israeli fashion industry, to shop modest designers, to put your money and pay it forward to things that you truly believe in and that our community needs. And I don't know. It's so, I, uh, yeah. What's the, the, can you say the name again of the, of the um, charity that you started in FIT? The organization organization Faith and Fashion. Yeah, it's Faith and Fashion. Faith and Fashion? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's, I agree 100%. I feel like nowadays you're seeing a lot more Jewish girls 
going into the fashion industry. I think it's just part of this whole, like, you know, we feel more empowered. There's so many more entrepreneurs that are orthodox and whereas beforehand, you know, you kind of felt like maybe the space was too competitive or just, you know, not inviting enough or being the fact that, you know, we have big families and you want to kind of, everyone's trying to like balance both. So it's really great to hear that there's a community there for women who want to pursue this passion of theirs. Absolutely. And you started that. And, well, I mean, as a group, I mean, like, like I said, back in 2010, I launched my blog, and I would say by 2012, I was already meeting with people like uh, design like the Frock NYC. When I met them, they were actually dealing vintage. And then, you know, we needed modest design. I was going to Fashion Week. I was being photographed modestly, and. We needed modest designers. I didn't, you know, I don't, under, I didn't understand why we couldn't be putting out our own clothes and saying this works for our community. So many people need modest clothing and to, to just leave it at whim. The industry at that point that was now, I mean, it's like a billion dollar industry, the modest industry. But, um, you know, I just thought we had to take ownership. So I was the first one to go to, you know, Simeon Chaya and say, Let's do this. Let's do this together. I will wear it to Fashion Week. I will get it photographed. We will get those articles. We will get the street style. And like I said, this is more Instagram, so it wasn't so simple. You know, we were we were working hard. And um, you know, Maxi, I wore them years ago, and you know, got them in People Style Watch, or you know, all. It was just like really supporting each other, and it it what didn't exist before that. But I was there, living that life being a Jewish woman in this industry, and everybody was so receptive. And granted, I worked really hard. It wasn't like, you know, years and years of work, and I, I, I loved it, but I also respect the industry. And it's not so simple. No one's going to give you a seat at the table. You need to earn your way there. You need to, you know, really, really strive to keep a place within a very evolving industry that quickly has to over if you want to be a part of it. And if it works for you and it's a great a great fix, then, you know, I just feel like I can always lend. I could always lend my platform. And it was everything from food to in, within the Juda- Judaism and the culinary arts. I mean, it was just like I can name, you know, five, six, seven Jewish women out there now that we all started just on my little laptop and putting out content. And like I said, me just editing and putting it out and keeping the industry level and wearing things and just, you know, being really mindful but also loving it and believing in what we were doing. And from that, yes, now I see on social media all these incredible women who are waving the kosher flag or sticking to modesty or Israel, pro-Israel. Like, it's just incredible. But I think it's always inspiring and motivating when you see a movement like that to say, we could do this again. We have to stand on the shoulders of this and, and keep pushing forward. And, you know, I think anything's possible yeah. in life if you're willing to show up. And I think that's the main message that I like to keep reminding myself of and others. So Definitely. And how have your family and birthplace influenced you? Well, I mean, most people know my story. I um, I converted to Judaism. My entire family did when I was a teen. And 
subsequent to conversion, um, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. Um, my family moved to Miami, and I attended high school at the Hebrew Academy there. And it was really this full immersion in a Jewish community that was thriving, schools, restaurants, um, a beautiful social life community. Um, and so I think, you know, my background, it affords me to really evaluate and reevaluate my life choices along the way to, I guess, feel permission to constantly do that because choosing something makes you mindful of it and it makes you want to love what you're choosing. I think we all do in life. You know, at 37 years old, I'm not doing something I don't have to value in and believe in. And not everything in life is easy. But if it, if it means something to you and it's worth it, then I think you have to choose to really embrace it with positivity and optimism and excitement. So, you know, with me really just choosing modesty and rechoosing modesty and choosing Shabbos and rechoosing Shabbos and choosing to wear a shaytol and rechoosing to wear a shaytol, I don't have anyone telling me what to do or not do in my life in terms of Judaism. And so it's, it's really, I think, for me, liberating to say I want to do this because it does mean something to me. For whatever reason, I feel like I was chosen to be Jewish, and I enjoy what I do within that. And therefore, I choose to really embrace it every day with gratitude. And I think it's, uh, in articles written about me, they've said, you know, I was the ultimate insider-outsider, or this and that. And it, it just, I think it gives you a unique perspective, which can be quite empowering to take ownership of what you're doing and to put a voice on that. But like I said, to love it and to, for me, to the value. And I don't, I really just try and walk the talk. I don't feel the need to preach about being an Orthodox Jew or conversion or all of that. Like, I think teach their own. I think you have to love your life. And I think you, I think you have to create a beautiful life for you, your family, your community, to give back, to have positive impact. Um, like I said, Judaism works for me. I love it. It's something that is right for my husband and I and our family. But, um, but yeah, so I think just that, that, that my life story really feeds into my perspective. So, yeah. yeah. I can relate because I, I mean, I grew up Jewish, but I was modern Orthodox. And, you know, I grew up wearing pants and tank tops. And then when I was about 15, I became really inspired and I had some amazing teachers and I decided that I wanted to dress modestly. And it was really hard for me in the beginning um, because my parent, my mom wasn't so on board with it. And, but I do relate to that, that feeling of, like, once I wanted to dress modestly, I said, okay, I'm on a mission. I'm going to find everything that's cool. <laughs> You know, I'm going to make, right. I, I want to feel good about what I wear, no matter what. So, and it kind of became like this, like it was the thrill of the hunt. And when I found something that looked fashionable and modest, I felt amazing. So, you know, That's and incredible. I definitely relate to that, yeah. that feeling of, of choosing something. And then when you, when you choose that, you're even more passionate about it. So. Right. So, and, and it, I wanted to point this out, you know, less serious, but that you were saying that your style is more simplistic 
I, I have seen, or that you grew up more like a tomboy, and I have seen, I was looking at some of your pictures on Instagram, and there's some, first of all, the pictures are beautiful, like amazing, even just the background, Thanks. everything seems creatively, and it's, everything is very pleasing to the eyes, and mm-hmm. the, one of your dresses is like this really floral, it's a floral dress with a, I think you're holding up a fan, and you would know. Oh, Gucci, you, yeah, you know, recently. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have pegged you for a, a tomboy wearing that, but it, it was so stunning. So you can, you could dabble in everything. Well, That's okay. so don't worry. For me, I think fashion to me is like an art. I, um... It's, like, difficult for me to explain because, I'll tell you, I, I did not, because I wasn't educated in the industry, I never had internships, I never wor- really worked in the industry until in my 20s, and it came from a writing capacity, so it was just a different way of getting here, but it's it's my place in the industry, and there's a lot of people, really, that have come through in that capacity, especially nowadays, you connect with so many people like that, um, but I my Instagram is... It's, I think it's, a, first of all, it's a personal Instagram. I'm, I don't, I'm not paid for it. It's not a business, anything like that. The photos I put out are just my way of seeing things. When I, I take pictures for friends who are Instagram, when I envision something, when I see something, I, I like to actualize that, whether it be when I have an idea to write the article, whether it be when I see a dress to see the potential of how I would do it, whether it be when I see a field and I think, oh, my gosh, that's incredible for that type of shot. Because I've become a bit of a pioneer in modest fashion, I feel a responsibility and I embrace that to keep a kind of relevant tone on modesty. And so when I attend a Gucci event, if I'm to wear the dress, I am sure as hell bringing the fan that matches with the Bottega Veneta shoes that I, you know, are fantastic for this season. I think a big reflection on what's going on in fashion and next season. And, you know, I'm going to represent what I feel is representation of who I am, what I represent in fashion now. Well, the typical me might just be wearing you know, something more simplistic as a blazer and a slip dress and a loafer when I'm working. I'm not defined, but I use fashion as a tool because I see it as that. I I like to trend cast and then go to Fashion Week and wear a variation of modesty I haven't seen done yet and then see it shown on runway for the next season and just feel so in tune and feel like that's my place, and that's within my community, my way of sharing my mission, my craft. My So on my Instagram, you are seeing, yes, I wore that dress, but I wore that dress out of respect to the design house that I think is, has done incredible things for modesty. And Alessandro Micaeli, who has you know, taken over the house of Gucci and completely unhinged the entire industry and brought back a kind of modest granny magpie rendition of the maxi dress that now has become the norm, typical, and I value that, and I want to show up to that. So because I I feel like that is my craft, I, I will wear the dress, and I will do that, but the reality is, a D. Heyman, 
the, the what I'm wearing is not I don't find it defines me I don't not at all like that for me it's like a tool it's like maybe mm-hmm. someone were to write a song with notes they were used so I don't know it, to me like modesty and all of that weave together and my Judaism into this really beautiful picture that is the life I have created and wanted and as a Jewish woman a mother and um, my Instagram is an extension of that. It is my real life. It is the things I really wear. Um, my photos are not, none of them are professionally taken. Um, they're all taken by friends or my husband snaps one. Um, there is not a lot of effort put into my social media other than just wanting to share what I think is beautiful and what I, what, what I feel inspires me and share that with people. You know, I mean, recently I haven't been on social media in about two weeks. Um, I just mm-hmm. took some time off. I I want to do some. I want to shift a bit. I feel like I feel like I want to change things up in terms of what I've done in the community and where I'm going. And I want to, you know, kind of have focus. And I don't know. I step back a bit to just enjoy and be present. I think a lot of creativity comes in the present. And when you're so invested, and we don't, you know, we're all social media and I don't think we're really in control of when you're when you're heavily invested it just becomes a lot you know from an industry standpoint from a personal standpoint mm-hmm. um, and I just like to eliminate that you know sometimes I just like to step back and be present and just chill and, and reflect and see where it leads yeah. me what thoughts come up you know and it doesn't mean the beautiful things aren't happening because I'm not posting them and it doesn't mean I'm not wearing another beautiful dress I am or I do, but I don't feel, if I don't feel like I'm having impact, I'm certainly not going to post something so people feel like they have to shop something or to show, I don't know, something they don't feel necessary. So I need a lot of motivation to put my stuff out there. Um, my husband's not on any channels of social media and never really was. And my Instagram isn't really that much based on our personal life. It's more my life and industry life. And we keep it kind of separate from our family. It's just a personal choice. Um, so, you know, social media for me, I use, I use it as a tool. When, obviously, when I had my blog, it was putting a lot, it was having all my, it was originally Fabologist. It wasn't a D. Heyman. I switched my name subsequent um, to the shutdown of my blog. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I really, I just go with it. I, I think fashion is fun, and social yeah. media can be a great tool, and I, I just, I enjoy it, and if I feel like it's not, the right thing for me, a certain dress, a certain poster, then I don't. I don't feel that pressure. Yeah, and I like that, you know, you're, there's an ebb and flow of the fact that you feel, you feel inspired by something and then you try to transform it in a way that you see it on a creative level for, for modest, uh, modest wearers and and then maybe someone else sees it, and then they get inspired, and then maybe we get to, we get the fruit of that labor. You know what I'm saying? Like we, maybe you inspired, you know, the designer, and he saw how you wore it, and he says, okay, well, huh, I, you know, maybe I can do something similar like that for my next collection. So it's kind of like this uh, give and take. Right. That, oh, absolutely. That I that. think we see now designers, you know, major design houses, particularly you see them with New York designers who are more inclined towards, you know, sports world, more casual, Americana. 
they are now including that more European look that was originally the midi dress and all of this really came from those design houses, I would say, in 2009, 2008, we're seeing it more. And then with designers like The Row and Victoria Beckham and, you know, Ruzi Asuline, they brought an elegance and a femininity to everyday wears that didn't always exist. And, and I think because street style had such an impact on industry where bloggers and stylists and designers were taking, even celebrities, taking real ownership of what, what the industry was putting out and giving it their own spin, you saw designers responding to that. And modesty was absolutely part of that trend. And now you see the inclusivity. And it's not fringe anymore. And it's very, I just, I think it's so easy to dress modestly. And I'm always surprised People ask me, you know, what, what should I wear in the summer? Or how would I style this and make it look modest? It's, it's almost a no-brainer. Like, I think I largely didn't feel a need to keep this huge modest blog going and Jewish lifestyle site because modesty had become mainstream. We were getting regular reporting within editorial pages. The Modest.com launched as a takeoff from Net-A-Porte, and I, I actually know the owner the founder of that, um, I just saw this void was being filled and modest designers coming up and just doing exclusively modern, modest designs and putting them out there um, for the public to shop. And I just felt like we saw that happen. But yeah, it is a reflection. I think it's energy. And when you're mm-hmm. open to kind of putting, putting something out there, when you see something Everyone else sees it, but they see it in their own way. And that's incredible and beautiful and so much opportunity. So if you're willing to share your point of view, then yes, other people are going to see that, but take something from it and run with it in a different way. And it'll spread and it'll grow. And it just takes a few people to really just put it out there and start that. And I think within, you see trends, anything. Anything will spiral snowball by a few innovators and pioneers saying, I'm going to put this out there, and I'm going to keep putting it out there, and I'm going to keep showing up. And other people gain from that. So, you know, when you, get, when you show up and you're willing to do that and, and take ownership of what you believe, see, do, whatever, uh, it's kind of permission for other people as well. And I love that. So, you know, for me it's all motivating, inspiring, and just exciting. Yes, and do you think there's anything missing in terms of modest clothing? Because I know you just I actually do. I think it's a huge void. I do. I think I I think our community has a long way to go. I think we need to not only produce design students and not only source from Israel and work with Israel because I feel feel like we have to build up within our own community, our industry, but we we kind of have a few designers who are producing certain you know, certain styles and aesthetics to you know, to which follow their suit and their their mainstay. But I think we could do more and we need to do more and we need to like I think there's just some basics that we're still missing. And I end up tailoring, creating, you know, switching, reinventing, reimagining pieces all the time for my own wardrobe because I can't find it. I can find what I want, but the neckline, or it's just, you know, the slit, or it's too short, or I have to buy two. So I think we've, we've covered so much ground, but I, I think there's a lot of 
space that can be filled. And I would love to see students go to design school and come out and be able to really have a mainstream label. We see what, we see what, you know what's going on in Scandinavian fashion and you see um like labels like Ghani and they are they've reintroduced the wrap dress and you see girls coming out of Milan like the Attico designing these great robe dresses and it all has, you know, different inspirations, whether it's vintage or whatever, but they're giving it a modern iteration and it's lending itself towards a more covered aesthetic. It's a bit more minimal. I mean, you see the row has done the same thing, but the price points of brands like the Attico and the row are not attainable for most of the world. And for an everyday wear, you know, we're wearing these midi dresses every day, and it just, I, I would love to see, it's not only Zara, this producing kind of these trickle downs, but I would love to see other girls, other Jewish modest girls, because the Muslim community has taken a lot of ownership of the modest world and has propelled them into a space, you know, go on Forbes.com, Google Modesty, and see what within the industry is being built up and the investment to it and in the market and it's it's incredible and I would love to see Jewish designers jump onto that and you earn your way there with talent and you you present collections that will be picked up by main distributors and or you launch brands or shops or whatever it is but I would love to see us have a stronghold in the industry space and that it not just be boutique type collections which that's incredible and there's there's room for that and there needs that but I want to see big designers and you know it's it's such a trend and I don't think it's going anywhere it's not a trend it's now a part of fashion and it's a it has a seat at the table modesty so I don't think your shoppers only have to be a modest demographic I think if you were designing things you know that that had a lot of you know that had a lot of ability to be tweaked with trend and whatnot. You would have shoppers all over the world, and like I said, we see in Scandinavian fashion this push towards a modest aesthetic where it's a sneaker. I know I was in Stockholm for a sustainable conference um, with Stella McCartney to, uh, last year, and mm-hmm. I, when I was in Copenhagen, you see these incredible women biking to work in these floral dresses, middies with long sleeves and sneakers, and it's this effortless modesty and, you know, with like a low bun and it's just, it's a, it's a mode of dress there, it's a way of life and I had never, it's just not American. I hadn't, I didn't see that when I was young and trying to figure out modesty and to see it as part of a culture there and to see now designers, like I said, showing that and you see within the blogosphere all these Scandinavian designers and companies like Social Zoo who are repping all of them and influencer PR, all of this, like you see these dresses, you see, you're on social media, I, you don't need the yeah. to tag these dresses, you just need to collect a nice little saved photo album in your own thing and you've got your own curation of modern modesty before you. So I just would love to see it at lower price points and I would love to see where the necklines or everything could be modest yeah. and we're not constantly running to our tailors. So. Yes, I agree. And it's, it's interesting because I've been speaking to a few people now and from different, coming from different perspectives. And everyone, a lot of people are saying the same thing, that, that yes, we do have more clothes with three-quarter sleeves, and we do have, but I feel like the silhouettes and the cuts are not, 
on the same level that I wish they were because when I go to stores like a department store, I see the runways, there's like, there's so much, there's so much beauty and there's so much that we still, it's not, it's not still available yet in the modest industry. So, right. So I think think it is. I just don't think so much between in the, I don't think it's, it's being sourced from the Jewish community that it's modest, but right. I think I that hear, takes, yeah. I think that takes an incredibly talented designer who not only hones their skill and their craft and is educated in it and knows textiles and knows design, but is also good enough to make a splash in the industry. And it's not easy to become a famous designer. It's not easy to have something on a rack and board of good men. It's not easy to be on Net-A-Porte. It's not easy to stay in scale like that. It's a very difficult industry. And it takes not only immense talent, but immense support from the industry. It's, you know, time, money. It's, it's not so simple. So I think it's going to take a very special designer, but okay, so let's do it. Let's give support to students and let's, let's build it. So in 10 years, 20 years, we, we're doing that, and people not, like you said in the beginning, it didn't feel so much like someone, like as a community, as part of our Orthodox community, it didn't always feel when I was younger like I could have, a, that people thought I could have a space in the industry. They always said, they thought I was crazy, before, even before my blog when I was working in the industry and rushing home to make Shabbos, and there were many times I was working on Friday, and I would have to get out of a cab and just walk home. Luckily, I live in New York City where... It's pedestrian friendly, and I wasn't on the side of a highway, but I I did it. You know, I worked every minute that wasn't Chavez or Yuntif for many years. I had my son at 30 because I was working my entire 20s. you know, it's it's something that it's it's going to be hard work, but if you if someone loved what they were doing, it works. So for me, you were saying, you know, it felt like maybe there wasn't space for us. There is space for the Jewish woman to be there, and in this day and age, it's very easy to stand by your own beliefs and set of, you know, kind of doctrines, whether it be religious or whatever, but you have to be good enough. You can't, you know, they're, they're not saying you can't be a part, they're just saying earn your way there. And, you know, I think that's the key. So getting down to the specifics of what you have in your wardrobe, what are your current wardrobe must haves? Like, is there anything that's your go-to so, piece that you use yeah, to layer I mean, I, and mix and match? Absolutely. I think it's evolved with age, but I think what um, – and I'll take you on a bit of a tangent here and then go back to these pieces. But I think what's undervalued in the industry and we see becoming a bit more um, in the spotlight is the idea of quality over quantity and more of this circular – economy and fashion where fashion you want to extend the life of your pieces or you know consignment the real real um i i very much believe a wardrobe wardrobe should be created in accordance with your personal style and i don't think many people have really sat down and figured out what their personal style is i think people see trends they love and i think people um, get influenced by, you know, consumerism, Instagram, all of this is, is basically set up so that you'll buy things. So you're just, you know, you're, you're a shopper. And you're being influenced 
by the influencers, but um, who are being paid by the companies. So, you know, I think to sit down and evaluate, and, and, and whether it's create a mood board or whatever, but to figure out what your own style is and say, okay, I'm, you know, a D. Heyman, I'm a modest dresser, I'm also a minimalist. Um, I'm also very into the idea of quality over quantity. I'm also not, you know, I'm not very feminine in my everyday de- dress. I like a masculine aspect. I like it to be wearable. I have a little boy. I have dogs. I, I work my hands a lot. I type. I paint. And I don't know. I'm always creating. Um, so I think then to then find yourself in the fashion and find inspiration from other icons or whatever, but really to find a sense of self. And so for me, I think what I found and what I've always gone back to, despite going to Fashion Week and wearing, you know, sometimes very interesting things that I don't always wear in everyday life, but other things that I wear in life and just wore them to Fashion Week, you know, it doesn't, you know, I play with fashion. But for me, I would say the basics are great blazers for layering. I don't like layering t-shirts under jumpers, skirts under dresses. I, For me, that never appealed, and it doesn't feel wearable or comfortable. So I love a day dress. I love a great, like I said, blazer over a slip dress. I love a great slip dress with one of my husband's button downs. I like a really great loafer or flat shoe that I can wear to a meeting, but I can also hop on the subway and go to Central Park. Um, I love boots. I love a white boot. I love white. I wear a ton of white, (laughs) even in winter. I dress monochromatic a lot. I'm very visual, but I'm also a minimal, so too much overwhelms me in general. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just very drawn to focused things, including a wardrobe. So my pieces are very interchangeable. So, like, I like a trended piece in the sense that the fit of a blazer can evolve. It can go from something more of a boyfriend to something more of a crop to something, whatever it is, but it's still your white blazer. And that, that, that kind of detail to trend will make it be relevant. But always keep yeah. that blazer you love and throw it back in. And I think that's taking ownership of fashion. and um, Colors. You know, right now we're seeing so much play with, like, bold colors, but in a really mm-hmm. sophisticated way. And I love that. I love what Balenciaga did, bringing that splash of neon. Or, you know, Valentino back in 2013 when they did those great, you know, really long maxi, almost prairie-type dresses, but into neon and it was a young way to do black tie it was covered but it feels modern you know Jacquemus right now on runway they should for fall monochromatic you know suiting and threw in the skirt but with these great earrings and these I don't know this this like element of modernity I'm very drawn to um but have yeah. fun with like a bright pop um I don't know so I think for me the basics if you ask me in general I would just say great slip dresses are always, for me, a basic slip skirts. I throw knits on in the winter. I think modesty, because you're covered and you're constantly wearing kind of just a lot, I like to keep it more streamlined. Um, if it's a dress, then I like it. I'll do a print, but then let it, if I'm wearing carrying a fan, it'll probably be in the same print. I pattern mix, but more for show. In everyday life, I, I really keep it to more basics and minimals. Um, but I don't know. I think whatever you yeah, love, I wear. Say, and I, you know, I think that evolved. But I love what Bottega Veneta did um, with, you know, kind of 
the clutch this season, the belt, their square-toed shoes. Um, that, for me, in fall is going to be great. Attico is really growing. They've launched a shoppable site. Um, what they've done with, like, an 80s redux I think is genius. We're seeing all this pullback with, like, a shoulder. I'm all about details and tailoring. I like a strong shoulder. I think what Isabel Morant does, I think what Saint Laurent does, I think this is all fantastic. I think it feeds into modesty. Um, we're seeing tights again, and I love that. Like, a good sheer black stocking with a dress has that, like, 80s vibe, but it just can be so current right now. It's, like, a metallic... Um, I love that. I love a great boot. I love, I don't know, we're seeing all these great redux in the past, and I think those always inspire me, and if you work that in with um, the basics that you have in your wardrobe, you'll have a really great, successful seasonal mix. Um, for fall, let's see what else I'm yeah, I, I, I I'm kind of going into that. <laughs> I sometimes, I don't know how tall you are, but I, I'm five feet, and like, for example, take, like, the, the big shoulders and even, like, a boyfriend blazer, I feel like sometimes I'm worried because as much as I like the trend and then I do have a good tailor and I go to her and then I put it on and I'm still kind of in this space where does it really suit me? Can I, you know? Well, what does your gut tell you, though? Like, I think I think modesty can be a bit tricky with proportions. I am a bit taller. I'm five five. I am not that tall. People tend to think I'm taller when people meet me. The first thing they say is, "Wow, I thought you were so much taller, bigger." I'm not. I'm a I'm a petite person. I I mean I can throw on a heel with the best of them and be five eight, but. Um, I think you have to go with your gut. You know, I think you have to look at something, and if it feels right. I don't think you'd be worried. Wear it. And, and right. if you wear it and you feel like you should tweak it, then tweak it more. But I don't think until you take that jump and try something, there will always be fear because if this is a new look or a new look for you, um, you won't maybe be 100% comfortable right away. But I would try it. I would let it be exciting. I mean, push yourself. So I, if, I would definitely work with proportions and make sure it's not crazy. But look, I mean, look at I mean, what people are doing is a little nuts with proportion. So I don't think you're going to look that crazy in New York. Or I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> where you're going. But, I, I, you know, I would go for it. I would go with your gut. If, it tell, if your gut says this is a little too much, don't do it. But if your gut says, I think I'm on to something, let me throw in a shoulder pad and, you know, get it tailored a bit, I would run with it. I think that's how trends start. I think that's how fashion evolves. And, you know, I, I would say – power to you with that so definitely don't okay, overthink awesome. it or... the next time you see a picture of me in a you know boyfriend blazer you'll 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 know where the inspiration came from <laughs> no text me a picture and then I'll, i will i'll applaud you <laughs> thank you so you did go through a lot of the trends that you're excited about what is your favorite season you probably say the fall right i think no, I you know I really I love every season. I think I think summer has a casual effortlessness that I just love. You know, a great white dress, a flat sandal. Um, I like fall because there's a, there, fall has a tone of you know that back to school kind of prep. We layer a lot. We go back to fashion week in September. The industry kind of kicks the social scene in Manhattan in the fall. We have all our young children. 
for me, it's more, it, fall is definitely like a, a statement season. We, get, we start bringing out the coats where I love coats. I think coats are a modest go-to. Um, you can wear them as dresses, all of that. Um, and then winter, I love winter because I love a statement coat, and I think you can really just, it, it, winter is it's just so easy. Boots and a coat and, like, done. And the slip dress, done. Yes. I mean, it's over. But then spring offers this kind of, like, renewed excitement to maybe bring in color where we've had the severity of our snow season and spring has, like, a kind of a giddiness. You know, Pesach's coming and the fashion's change, but you still get to layer. And, you know, I think I love every season. There's an element of each I enjoy, so I don't know. Yes. I'm not one to, t- I'll tell you, I'm not one to say I don't like things. If I don't like them, then they're, co- I, I, I would think maybe a negative connotation. So I try and keep a perspective of really just finding the beauty of everything that I can't change. And if I don't like something, then I change it. I can't change the seasons. I could maybe move somewhere where I didn't have, you know, severe seasons. But I live in New York City, and I love the seasons because that's the life I've chosen, and I'm not going to complain about it. I think it's pointless to complain about the weather. I mean, I, that you know, I just find that to be a waste of time. So suit up or stay home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have, like, I don't know. I think I have, like, ten winter coats or something like that. Um, they're in every color and puffer and wool and, you know, I just, yeah, I do love a, a nice, a coat because you can you're automatically dressed and well that's what people see when you're out and about anyway um but uh it's just you know you can have a lot of fun with them um uh, a lot of them are modest by nature i wrote an article once and i compared the coat and like the coat and a boot to like in manhattan as a modest mother that's kind of like my yoga pant outfit. You know, all the moms wear, like, their yoga pants all the time or, like, whatever. That's mm-hmm. kind of, like, the whatever, the, the connotation or whatever. But I I always say, like, the coat's that, like, that's the trench and the, the loafer. That's the coat, the boot for the modest woman because we can just throw it on every day and run our kids to school with it. And we're modest. So I just, I, I agree with you. I think the puffer, all these different versions are so wearable and they're, they're thoughtless. And I think thoughtless fashion, thoughtless fashion when you're a mother is amazing. When you can run into your wardrobe and grab something and be confident and you don't, like, to waste time every day in front of your closet, it's just not an option for me. So I think, yeah, to mainstream it, it, it just makes life so much easier and enjoyable when you could throw on that coat, belt it different ways, throw on a different boot, throw on a flat. Like, it's just great. It's easy. I wear trenches like that. I was, I was coat dressing with trenches a decade ago and throwing them on with heels just because it was modest and it was quick and it was autumn and I, I, it made sense to me and I didn't always, when I went into a meeting, want to have to take off everything. And so I was wearing them as dresses for a while and thank God that became a trend. So, you know. Yeah. And what advice would you give to the fashion-minded modest dresser who wants to try something new? Um, I mean, go for it. Like I said, I think start from the foundation of kind of who are you in fashion? Who do you want to be in fashion? Who, Who, what appeals to you? What works for your 
your own style, whether it be modest or your height or your, you know, whether it's maternity or not, I don't, you know, you take in the variation, the variations or the different elements of your life choices or your life circumstance, and then based on that so that there is wearability, create, create a wardrobe that you, that, that you love. And a, a friend of mine who is, she's a senior writer at Vogue, and she recently launched a business called the Schmatze Shrink. Um, her name's Liana Satinstein. Hi, Liana. I'll tell her to listen to this. Um, but yes. she, she goes in, and she's a wardrobe consultant, and she has a great eye for editing. She started doing this just as like a hobby. Like She just helps some editors at Vogue go through their closets when they were moving. She has a lot of, um, you know, just experience in the industry and knowledge of designers, of trends. and um, So she consults women on what to keep in their wardrobe and then what to kind of re recycle, whether it be the real, real thread up, but that this circular kind of economy within fashion that you sell your stuff or keep what's good and then rewear it. And that's what she does. She literally just teaches people how to curate a wardrobe. And I think that's just so important. I, I feel like personally, like I said, I like minimalism. I don't want to feel overwhelmed. But I also want to feel like everything I pull from my closet is something I'm thrilled to be wearing. I never want to feel like yeah. I'm getting second best. Like, why would I wear it? So I think we, if you want to try a new trend, go for it. And, you know, set that foundation of a wardrobe that, that can work with new trends, new ideas, and, and really find yourself within the trend, and I think a confidence will come from that. Because like you said with the blazer and trying a boyfriend blazer when you're a petite um, girl or fit, you know, I think it's, it, it can be a little nerve-wracking and like, oh, do I look crazy? Do I not? Whatever. But I think if you have, if you have confidence in your personal style and your wardrobe and you actualize that and then you feed from that, then you're going to be... I think readily taking ownership of more trends because you'll be really grounded by the foundation you've built in your own personal style. Um, so I, I say go for the new trend, but so that it has longevity, right. I don't like fast fashion. I don't like the idea of wearing something cheap and then moving on to something else cheap. I don't think that's great for the economy. I think there's negative impact on nature, on other humans in the world, on animals. I think we have to be conscious and considered in our wardrobes. And so I'm not a big fast fashion trend-driven, you know, mass discount, whatever. That's never going to be. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea of amending someone's wardrobe to trend every season, whether it be that you love the industry, you work in the industry, you enjoy fashion. Mm -hmm. um, why not? It's fun. It feels cool. Yeah. You're part of a community of women celebrating fashion or an industry that's building. So I say go for it with the new trend. But I would, I would take ownership of it, and I would, I don't know, I, I would invest, and then I would... I don't know. Let it let it hang around if you really like it. Don't be so quick to cast it off because you know Gucci is something showing something different, out. and your favorite blogger is wearing something different. You know. Yeah, and it's interesting because I used to be the fast fashion type of girl um, because I like a lot of variety and I get bored very easily in everything, um, all aspects. 
um, obviously not, you know, with things that, you know, I love and my family and things like that. But in terms of fashion, <laughs> then I struck upon, you know, vintage and all the, like, I, I literally once a week go to Park Slope and go to, you know, Beacon's Closet and all these vintage oh, stores. fantastic. Vintage is great. Yeah, I, I love it so much because I know that, you know, I'm not doing anything bad to the environment. I know that I'm not going to be seeing myself coming and going, and I can still find the things that I love. It's just that, you know, they've been, you know, somebody's already worn it, and now they're, you know, onto something else, which is fine. Um, and it's interesting. I feel like in the in – the, modest community and with like my friends and things like that they're still not on totally on board with the with the you know vintage shops and things like that like they're still a little bit wary of it what like um, consignment in vintage yeah. or yeah like I mean, the idea of like, a resale or a rewear yeah i mean like the rewear aspect of it like i'm not talking about you know um the you know, consignment where you're get like, the real real where you're getting, you know. Even, I mean, the places that I'm shopping in, you'll still have, they have, they have Zara, they have, you know, um, I'm trying to think of names, um, Cynthia Raleigh, or they'll have. Uh, these are vintage, I'm not familiar with the shops, that's all, these are, like, vintage consignment shops that maybe aren't, like, designer luxury, but are more, Eclectic mixes, like that type of shop, or um, basically they have like a big mix of contemporary. Like they sell, they sell Zara. They sell things that people wore mm-hmm. already that they gave. Like consignment, like a consignment shop. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know what? But that's not only our community in general. I, so I personally was consignment shopping since I came to New York at seventeen. Like I. I remember I read that Jackie Onassis had consigned a ton of her clothing throughout the years to a shop on Madison called Encore. It's actually still, actually it's not. It just switched to a different name and owner, but it was there till last year. So I can I consignment shop just because I couldn't afford designer, like straight off the shelf, and also because a lot wasn't modest, and I was finding vintage that way. You know, great Poochie. I think my first time I was ever photographed was for Elle, and they, they showed me in a Pucci maxi dress that I had gotten consignment. And it, was, it actually had been a pant. It, and I changed it into a dress. And it, it had just been like a, a pantsuit. But um, I was just able to find modest options back then. You know, this, like I said, this was a decade ago. But the, the, the consignment, so for me it's always been, I don't know, I, I think reselling and rewearing or rebuying from reselling it's I I think it's fantastic I think if you have a great eye I think you can have great great success and you can save money but you can also find really unique pieces but the entire world is shifting and with 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 uh, companies like the real real that are giving you a regular shopping experience even a luxury shopping experience um, you know an authenticated luxury shopping experience that is consignment they're redefining the industry and on the premise I'm actually in talks with the real real I'm doing an event with them in November in their store uh, in Manhattan and I've done I did an event in Los Angeles with them as well in their store there and beautiful shops 
but I think they are introducing this and the owner is so motivated by the idea of you know this circular economy and it's everybody's in talking about it kind of in the industry and that that we really we minimize our impact of negativity the, the fashion industry is notorious for the pollutants and for like I said you know the have the treatment of animals and people within factories and all of this and I'm not telling you not to buy leather fur or anything like that but just be considered the brands you shop and be be open yeah. to extending the life of these pieces that have been created because there shouldn't be waste like mm -hmm. there's so much waste and I, I just think we we are very fortunate to live in a country where we are afforded this type of luxury and beauty and mass amounts of it but people of the world like don't even have clean water and we're talking and in their factories where children are working or animal abuse and I just I personally would not wear something if I knew it came from a factory that a child was being mistreated or I just think we have to be considered and and so to have an economy where clothing is put back in and rebought and reworn we're just having lesser impact and hopefully the world because of things like the real world will need less and less and you know because there's such an excess and I love fashion and again I don't judge and I'm not preaching but we need to be mindful that we're not negatively affecting people around us communities around us a world around us um, you know and I think with social media yeah. the mass mass shopping it's just becoming consumerism is becoming all-encompassing so we have to be really aware of that yeah, I wrote an article about that recently, uh, and it was just it was eye-opening for me personally, just because you know watching documentaries and just you know reading about the effects, and it makes me think now. You know, when I'm you know buying or when I'm going through my closet, you know, maybe I should bring this to a consignment shop instead of just you know, I don't know, throw it in the garbage or something like that, you know, or whatever it is, or just give it away. Like, it just, and, and just when I'm shopping, not, you know, quality over quantity, that type of thing. So I, I agree completely. So what excites you the most about the future of fashion? I mean, I, we're seeing a shift, which we've seen for the past few years, um, just of inclusivity, of of the industry opening up to a modesty, to a to different communities. You know, sites like Mode Operandi, you're being able to shop small brands from all over the world, and it's being done in a way that a company can scale and continue growth and make money but also support these small designers and I like that I like that it doesn't have to be one way or one store has the designer I just like the inclusivity and I would I'm excited to see that go even further and I, I speak about Israel quite often because I think you know Israel uh, fashion industry is a bit at a deficit and I think we need to all be supportive of that and when we go to Israel make an effort to shop those designers and bring awareness to them because really it's just awareness and if with social media mm -hmm. platforms and with with access now on a global level a day in and day out there there is something that can be done for these designers and I, I think the Are industry there? in general is just 
are there more inclusive so yeah yeah and are there any designers um israeli designers that you can think of that come to mind like that are yeah absolutely i mean we're seeing there's i was in tel aviv in the spring and i met with a few designers and i actually went the original israeli design house um, from the 40s, there was an Israeli design house called Mesquite, and there was a woman that started it. And she was like the couture clothing of Israel, and she was in Bergdorf Goodman's. She did collaborations with YSL at the time. She, I couldn't believe it. I went there, and I met a woman who worked for Alexander McQueen, came over mm-hmm. and has taken over the Mesquite design house. And they they're excited to really just redesign, reinvent collections that really pay tribute and homage to the original Israeli mosquite, but also to push it forward. And I saw recently a few articles in the spring in Vogue and other Women's Wear Daily that mentioned mosquite and Sharon Tall, this, this woman who's now taken it over from Alexander McQueen. And I, I met with her, and then I, I met with young designers, a company, a company called Parlay Debut, and she designed a dress I wore when I spoke uh, in the spring at the Real Real event, and she's great. It's a very small curated kind of collection, and it's not season-based. It's more mm-hmm. piece-by-piece, and it's small, but she's doing beautiful work. Um, Ella Levy's another great one in Tel Aviv. She's got a great atelier, great eye, very very strong. Um, there's, there's big shops in Israel in general. They've got leathers. They have, I don't know. I mean, you could go to Tel Aviv. Yeah. I, um, I, I can send you some, you know, links and names, but I just see when I go there. And I have a good friend named Rosa Sinaiski. Um, her handle is at Moody Rosa. And I met her years and years ago. I started reaching out to different people in Israel working in the fashion industry. And I feel like Hashem connected me with these incredible women that have gone on to just inspire me and introduce me to such talent. And they, on the other hand, have come and sat on, you know, panels that I've done for Faith and Fashion, or they now Rose is actually out in L.A. pioneering some really cool stuff. And there's just a lot going on that people don't realize, and I think it's going to take a few people to just pull together and pave the way. But it's there, and I just believe... I want to give back to Israel, and I, I want my money to really benefit mm-hmm. the people there in the land, and so I'm committed to doing that more and more. You know, I, I work here in the United States, so it's tough to get to Israel and work with fashion there as much as I would like to, but it's definitely yeah. a shift in the future that I, I will be doing more and more of. So, Yeah, I thank you so much for... Uh, coming on the show and um, just sharing your your past, your present, your future. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Um, of course, my pleasure. It was really, really great to talk to you. I look forward to connecting again. So, Once again, thank you so much to Adi Heyman for coming on the show and giving us some insider secrets and tricks of the trade and really opening up my eyes on how much the modest fashion community has changed and how far it could still go. So kudos to her.
and let's keep going and do our five fab finds. The first FFF this week is from Nordstrom. It's their long sleeve stripe top. It's from 1901. That's the company. They have a great navy color with a it's a navy cotton top and then it has white cuffs and it also comes in the black and white stripe with a white cuff as well. So I just like this top. I think it's classic and it could go with multiple colors in your wardrobe and it's a great transition piece. So once again, that's the Nordstrom long sleeve stripe top from 1901. The second five fat find of the week is from Ann Taylor. So let me just get that up here. We've got this beautiful color block pleated skirt. It says that it hits below the knee, which makes me very happy. And yes, it's a color block pleated skirt in black. The bottom is white or off-white. And it's so pretty, so effortless with a burgundy sweater, with a mustard sweater, with a white blouse. There's so many things you could do with it. With a blazer. So I'd even put like a leopard print heel with it just you can really wear this for work wear this for Shabbos anytime so and um I don't know if it's going to come up for you I when I clicked on the site it said at welcome one so that was a 30% off a regularly priced item um on my end right now it's saying that the color block pleated skirt on Ann Taylor is an extra 40% off. The discount is applied at checkout. So I would definitely take a look at this color block pleated skirt on AnnTaylor.com. The third fab find of the week is from Kohl's. And Kohl's has this great Junior's SO button down front shirt. I read one of the reviews and she was saying that she's not even a junior and that the shirt was great for her too. So definitely read the reviews. I always score when I go to the junior's department. Sometimes I need to size up, like I'll get a medium instead of getting a small. So, but for $20, this blouse is amazing. If you don't want to get it for, you know, the women, then get it for your teens. Um, I'm loving the white because that's very versatile. And the shady tree color, it's like this olive green color that is the perfect neutral, especially for fall. So once again, check out the Coles Juniors SO button down front shirt. Okay, the fourth fab find of the week is from Lulu's. So Lulu's is great. They have trendy pieces. They have dresses. They And it, it, literally, you can sort their dresses by midi length, maxi length, long sleeve, short sleeve, neckline. It's like a modest 
girl's dream website in terms of filtering. So they have, Lulu's has the Elise Lavender Satin Long Sleeve Midi Shirt Dress. Okay, it comes in this gorgeous lavender color, like that doesn't look too shiny. And it also comes in this gorgeous blush. It's so elegant looking and I'm obsessed about this because it kind of is like that mix of, it looks like robe dressing, you know, that's, they show a lot of the bloggers and a lot of these fashionistas, you know, they wear these like long kimonos and this, uh, you know, silky robe look. And this is like the robe dress. This is like a robe dressing, but in a dress, you know, you don't, you're not wearing your pajamas. Definitely not in this look. It's super pretty for Shabbos. So I would definitely check it out. Again, it's the Elise Blush Satin Long Sleeve Midi Shirt Dress. And the last fab find of the week is from Urban Outfitters. So, you know, these slip skirts are all over the place, meaning that you can find them from every company. I just got one from Forever 21. I got mine in like a berry color and it was on sale for $7. Um, But I am always out looking for different colors of the slip skirt because, you know, you could get a black one, you could get a cream one. So I saw that Urban Outfitters has the Rowan Satin Slip Skirt and it comes in like a gorgeous teal color, one of my favorite colors. And it comes in cream and in leopard and in pink. So, ooh, and they even have this multi one. I'm really digging that. It's like not, it's like a snakeskin type of look. Anyway, so versatile. I paired my slip skirt that I just got and it was my first slip skirt purchase ever. I'm going to pair it with a like, little bit of an oversized sweater um so just like to be able to wear it the slip skirt like I don't want people to think that you can only wear it on Shabbos or dressy like the slip skirt if you wear it with a cardigan this could be your go-to staple for all us working moms out there or anyone going all the you know young girls that are going to college, getting your degrees, whatever it is, um, I could definitely see the slip skirt being thrown on with Keds or sneakers and this being your new go-to look. So definitely check out Urban Outfitters Rowan Satin Slip Skirt for $59. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Fashion Detour. All the five fab finds can be found on my blog, www.thefashiondetour.com. There's pictures, there's links. Have a great week and happy shopping, ladies.